BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, a young woman struggling to reconcile her faith with her sexuality dies by suicide after conversion therapy. Her story forces a podcaster to examine his own struggles. We'll review the hit podcast, Dear Alana. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Rebecca. Can I make a plug? Because it's about that time of year, sure. and I'm going to be doing the Walk a Mile in Her Shoes again. Okay. So this is you the- You mean Walk a Mile in Their Shoes. In Their Shoes. That's right. They, yes. They have, yes, uh, they have corrected that title to be more uh, gender inclusive. So this is, as you know, the annual event where I put on a pair of high heel shoes and I walk a mile, and by mile, I wink, wink that it's a mile. Uh, that Several blocks. Several blocks. Two blocks. It feels like a mile because I cannot walk in high heel shoes. Yeah. And this raises money for the, the crisis center of central New Hampshire. And uh, they uh, have all sorts of emergency services and placement services and other resources for uh, women and families who are in crisis or they face uh, d- domestic violence situations, partner violence, all these things. And you guys have always been great. Last year, I was the number one fundraiser. Yes. I got an award. I streamed the whole thing. It was a lot of fun. It was great to stand up there in front of all those people and really say, yes, Kevin Flynn is great. No, actually, I mean, that's kind of like... Make what it, it was. about you. But the subtext was like, you know, <laughs> podcasters are, are wonderful. Yeah. Yes. So help make it about me. Remember those, I was like, there's a very nice police officer who was like in second place coming up behind me. And I just said, all due respect, I do not want to lose to a police officer. So <laughs> can you please help us out? So if you want to help us out, uh, you can check us out. I'll put a link on our website at crimewriterson.com. Will also be links in our Facebook pages and all the social media. So again, thank you everybody who donated last time. Hopefully, we can do uh, we can do good again this year. Make it about Kevin. Make this wonderful charity event about Kevin winning. I would tell you, like after this, like <laughs> I started getting like all these calls from the people at the crisis center. They're like, "Who is this Kevin Flynn?" We're getting uh, um, donations, donations on from, your behalf. Yeah, yeah, we're getting donations from overseas, and like, what the what the fuck is going on? Yeah. So they were happy though. They were happy. They wanted to like draw me into more stuff. I'm you, like, I do not have time. You, you even beat my favorite cute TV reporter. 
Sean McDonald. Oh, he didn't raise money. He was oh. just there to MC it. So he was impressed too. Oh, you know. yeah. Sean McDonald. Isn't he cute? He's great. He's yes. also a listener. That's, you know, he's. Uh, oh, shoot. Am I, am I starting to be embarrassed <laughs> now that I said that? That's fine. <laughs> hey, I agreed with you. Yes. Wait, what did you call him? Your what? Your my fa- favorite cute TV reporter. And You're not a TV reporter anymore. Yeah, all right, fine. You're my favorite former cute TV all right. reporter. All right, just introduce everybody else. <laughs> I think okay. it's cute former not my favorite I mean, listen, with my track record, I now believe I can get with any TV reporter I see on television. When I see Sean McDonald, I'm going to punch him in his fucking face. <laughs> hey, I, I don't think he reciprocates my, my, he doesn't. Crush. I'm sure he's he like, <laughs> he flattered, <doesn't>. but <laughs> <laughs> I think he's, he's a little too busy. I don't know. Being on television, mm-hmm. you know, making Chronicle and the news. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Piper Green series of cozy mysteries, Laura Bricker. Hey, Laura. Hey, Rebecca. So I met a new cat when I was out at my lassoing lesson last week. And uh, apparently my ability to talk to cats just gets better and better because this cat was totally my new best friend. Mm, You're like Dr. Doolittle. I have to say, Laura, Mm -hmm. are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) Why? What do you mean? <laughs> Are you okay? Because you're a hundred percent definitely not having a conversation with a cat. Just I'm just <laughs> just gonna just throw that out there. I'm telling you, the cat looks at me, it looks into my eyes. I know the cat understands. Okay. Well we can talk after this if you feel like you need support. Just I'm I thought you were gonna say, Are you okay? Because I'm taking lassoing lessons. No, that's very Laura Bricker. It's the other part. It's the other part. Okay. And finally, our resident doubting Thomas, the author of the City Trilogy of novels, host of Strange Arrivals, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast, Toby Ball. Hey, Toby. Hey, Rebecca. Wait, just back to Laura for a second. Yeah. (laughs) What did Henry, my son, say about you this summer when (laughs) we met you? He said that I'd become a caricature of myself. (laughs) No, he became a cat detective. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. 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 He was like, Laura Bricker's really leaning into her Laura Brickerness. I was yeah. like, no, that's actually how she's always been. <laughs> There's nothing new going she on. She couldn't here. get more no. cat detective. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, I can't help it. The cats, you know, they're just there. Yeah. They call to you. No. And apparently to speak me. to you. So, no. No. You know what they you know what they're asking for? Meow mix. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Kevin, uh, this is Thursday's podcast, it right? It is. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, if anyone's listening to it not on a Thursday, that's fine. I'm not saying you have to listen on a Thursday. I'm just marking the days by which this podcast has been released when I say mm-hmm. that. Yeah, sure. What is coming up on the show that is going to be released on Monday? Well, whatever that day is, it's uh, going to be the next season of Over My Dead Body. It's called Over My Dead Body. Gone Hunting. What was the previous season of Over My Dead Body? Well, let's see. Uh, we had uh, Joe Exotic, who I think was season two of Over My Dead Body. Uh-huh. Uh, we had two other seasons, and they were not memorable. I mean, we might have given the first one a thumbs up, but I don't recall. But yeah, the, the this is how we first heard the uh, the Joe Exotic yeah, story. That was the very first Tiger King content we ever heard. Yes, and that was after our review of that one. That's when Carol Baskin sent an email to Toby because Toby made the famous quote I, I enjoy, enjoy a feud, feud among, among subcultures. subcultures and t- Carol Baskin's <laughs> take was 
You can't call it a feud when it's going in one direction. That's right. By the way, <laughs> if you want that T-shirt that says, I enjoy a feud among subcultures, you can get it at the Crime Writers on Merch store. I think they've got a sale going on right now. Go to crime.threadless.com. Yes. Crime.threadless.com, and you can buy all sorts of stuff, including... I learned that in cat detective school. Yes, including, you know, you know what it's almost time for, Kevin? What? It's almost leggings season again. Oh, yes, let's get those leggings. You done. can buy the world's ugliest, most buttery leggings that is by far our most popular merchandise item because they're awesome. And, you know, by the way, we don't make any money on this merch. So I don't think like we're trying to like scam you or anything. We make like eight cents every time we sell something, but we love seeing it in the world so much, mm-hmm. especially those leggings. They're great. Janet Varney has a pair even. Yeah. Yeah. They're fantastic. All right. Can we start the show now? Well, we've we've been stalling for about eight minutes at this okay. point. Yeah. So, yeah. All we're talking about is grim. So it let's, is. let's it is. get to it. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and drop that first clip of Dear Alana right now. Leading off. And look at this. She writes, not good enough. Not good example for kids. Shy. Never say the right thing. Useless, dry, freeloader, not a good Catholic, ugly, not important, stupid, annoying, distracted, God gave up on me, blame, careless, nothing to say, God for everything. In 2019, Boulder, Colorado residents were shocked by the death by suicide of 24-year-old Alana Chen. The woman who once dreamed of being a nun had struggled with her sexual identity and was left scarred by conversion therapy. There's a sense that the church was somehow responsible that its influence on Alana was a big part of why she took her life. I can understand if it's friends and family reckoning with their grief and looking for closure, and the church can be an easy target. But what exactly happened in the church, something that Alana clearly loved, that could lead to such a terrible outcome? The reports intrigued Simon Kent Fung, who interviewed her mother and friends to learn more about Alana's story. Exploring her inner life through the journals she left behind, Alana's journey made Simon reflect on the parallels of his own struggles to reconcile his faith with his efforts to change his hidden sexuality. Alana, like me, sought out these therapies and ministries precisely to follow the church. We took the advice of our spiritual mentors, pursuing all of the resources they directed us to. How can they say that none of this ever happened? Dear Alana from Tenderfoot TV, a slept audio, and the Center for Independent Documentary traces the life of a young woman looking for acceptance in the church by denying the truest part of herself. It's also Simon's self-study on the price he and Alana paid to balance the love of God with the love for themselves. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from Dear Alana. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. So, Laura, it cannot be denied that Simon is not just uniquely qualified to tell the story, but maybe the only person who could have done this story justice. Oh, absolutely. You know, Simon comes from a very parallel background and in, in to Alana in that, you know, he is somebody that also has deep Catholic faith, wants to be a priest and also was I'm going to say subjected because uh, I feel like that's the word I want to use for this to conversion therapy through people in the church and therapists. And he had a priest who tells him at one point, these people will fix you come back when you're healed. Um, there are some things in this where, you know, you think, my goodness, Alana's mother was so brave and so trusting to share 
her diaries, her journals with Simon. But I feel like because of his background and because of his own personal experience that was so close to what her daughter went through, that's what allowed this podcast to really take the shape that it did because he was just so uniquely positioned to tell the story. Yeah, I agree, Laura. I mean, sometimes we have these podcasts where the host really kind of stretch their personal connection to the story, either like literally or thematically. Like, for example, uh, Dan Taberski did with uh, his his story in um, Surviving Y2K. Um, his personal uh, story that he included might be thematic, where someone like Connie Walker in Finding Cleo says, you know, made me reflect on my own family's experiences or it might be like direct involvement in the story, like Devil in the Ditch or Suave or something like that. But while they never met, you know, Simon and a lot of stories, you know, a lot of stories, Simon's story and vice versa, you know. And so, I mean, it's it's rare that it's like on point like that. And so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of similarities, you know, both of Asian heritage, both Catholic, both devout, both thought about a, a life in the religious order and both sought out conversion therapy because they thought that's what would make them right with God. So, yeah, I mean, he's not forcing this at all. It's not performative at all. It's really positions him uniquely to tell the story. They also, by the way, both had supportive parents yep. who seemed to like not be as religious as they were when they were kids mm-hmm. and like sort of let them follow these paths and say, you know, I love you. I get, I mean, Alana's mother obviously had some very conflicting feelings about Alana's choices. Alana was much more religious than her mother. Um, Alana was very, very devout in a way that I think is singular. Um, there's something in this podcast and Toby, I'd like to talk to you about this. This podcast, I kept thinking over and over and over again, how many ways this could have gone horribly wrong. And like, we have listened to other podcasts with similar material that I have absolutely panned, like absolutely panned and been like all over for like ethical stuff and mistake stuff. And I don't feel this way about this one. And I know that you might have different feelings and I think that's okay. I think it's okay to be on like, have, you know, I think this is a good podcast to discuss this about. Alana, I think I think one of the reasons why I am comfortable with this very, very intimate exposure of Alana's inner life in this podcast isn't just because they have Joyce's, Alana's mother's permission. I think it's because of a couple of things. One is because Alana told her own story before she died in a newspaper article. So she actually told her own story. So mm-hmm. it was sort of clear on the record that she wanted her story. Not like an S-Town situation. No, like right, she yeah, wanted yeah. her story to be public, A. Eh? Second, her story is so important. It's so important. And I think that like, I have never heard a story from the point of view, in Simon's case too, of somebody who sought out conversion therapy and then told, tells the story about how it hurt them in this particular way and then still sort of wants to have this relationship with this institution. It's like so, it just strikes me as like so important. And I just kept thinking when I was listening to this podcast, like this story is going to help, I think, a lot of people. It could potentially, like, actually help people who are, like, actively in crisis in a way that, like, done in a different way or done by a different person, it would just have gone, like, horribly, horribly wrong. And I think that's what made the difference for me. But what do you think, Toby? Because there certainly are elements to this that that could be perceived as being too personal, too intimate, and potentially exploitative, right? Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't even know if I would be concerned about it being exploitative 
exploitative. I mean, I do like, I, I think you're right that they get the mother's permission. And I think Simon is obviously a very empathetic and careful sort of reader and commentator on her diary. And I agree that I think, I think this will potentially help a lot of people at, at the same time, you know, even though you put your story out there, it doesn't necessarily mean you're putting out all the details, right? I mean, you're, you're like you inevitably when you talk to the press or talk to people, you're giving like some kind of edited version of the story. And this is taking sort of the unedited version, a version that wasn't written with other people's eyes in mind. I feel invisible. All my life, I've been hiding away, waiting for someone to find me. Maybe she tucked her journals away, waiting for someone to find them. Maybe that someone was me. I, I think the fact that, that she ended up taking her own life, to me, makes it a little hard to listen to somebody reading the, this diary, just being exposed to the stuff in this diary, given that she didn't give express permission to it. Because, you know, she's, she's talking about stuff that in the end probably played some part in, in her making that decision. And that, you know, it doesn't get much more intimate than that, right? So it's hard. It's hard because I don't want to be like critical because I think they did the best job that you can do with this kind of thing in terms of being sensitive about it or whatever. But that initial decision to do it, you know, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. And I, and I thought, you know, what would this have been like if it had focused, if you just kind of switched a little bit, like have Simon be more sort of forthcoming in detail about his struggles with Alana being removed a little bit and talking about her more generally in ways in which she mirrored his experience. So I, I don't know. It's just not something I'm super comfortable with. I, I, I get the fact that I might be an outlier on that. And I also, you know, again, I, it's not, it's not really a criticism of anybody who's involved in this. Cause I think the, the way they handle it is very sort of well done and ethical and delicate, but yeah. uh it's it's a tough it's a tough decision. I, I assume they thought about it a lot. I, I assume they did too, and I think it's so well done that I also assume. And Laura, I don't know what you think. I kind of assume that there's a lot of stuff in the journals we didn't hear. I mean, that's the yeah. assumption I made because he talks about how the you know Joyce told him that there's stuff in there that's so intimate and so personal, and I just I assumed that we were hearing stuff from the journals that fit the story that they thought was important to tell, that her mother thought was important to tell. That, you know, is the story of the pain that this process caused her and her separation from the church, which is some of the most interesting material there. Um, and I assume that there was stuff we didn't hear. What, what do you think, Laura? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough one because I understand what Toby's saying. And I, you do feel like, is this the right thing to do? She also, you know, had been interviewed in the media prior to her suicide about what she had been through. She became a little more outspoken. And I do feel like listening to this, there wasn't anything that was shared that made me feel like cringy, like, oh, I can't believe they included that. Yeah. Um, I think it was all told in a way that was pretty respectful. And also, I guess part of me, and, and this is just me projecting, is thinking like this awful thing happened, but maybe 
through her story being told, it won't happen to somebody else or it will shed light on this issue in a way that people who are still thinking this is a great idea to go encourage people to go through conversion therapy will hear how it can actually affect how it did actually affect this young woman. I also in the past have kind of struggled with the idea of using somebody's journals like that. And I also, you know, as a production thing, I've always sort of had mixed feelings about using actors to kind of bring this in. And I think what I've come to believe is that my issue is with bad actors or bad acting. And I think in this case, the person that they have voicing Alana, who's an actress whose name is also Alana, I think she does a good job. I just drank poison looking up how to have sex with women. Jesus. Jesus. I took a blade and carved the word defiled into my arm. I think that what she does is able to sort of um, color in the corners on sort of, you know, what the emotional temperature of things that are happening in these selected passages. And I think the journals themselves, using them overall, it works out because without the journals, you do not have this podcast, right? You can't do this podcast and tell her story in any meaningful, insightful way without that. So it's either you do this podcast or you don't do this podcast, you know? And so if you said, well, the option is to do this podcast with none of that, then you don't have these uh, eight episodes or seven or eight episodes uh, to discuss. Well, you're not going to get any interviews from the church. And the only way you're going to get that part of the story is from getting Alana's telling of it. Yeah, because a lot of sort of the question goes down to why did she do this? What led up to this? What was she thinking? These internal things. And you cannot get that from her. Right. The closest thing you can get to are are her writings. And so you're not going to get what the priest said to her. You're not going to get what the nun said to her. And I will say just to add on to what you said, Kevin, this is maybe the only time where the use of an actor in a podcast wasn't just inoffensive to me, but where I actually genuinely enjoyed it. Yeah. I genuinely enjoyed the actor. I genuinely enjoyed her performance. I gen- and, and then especially when we heard Alana's real voice near the end of the podcast, mm-hmm. I was the like... songs, yeah. Really, my heart skipped a beat on swear it meant the world to me, honestly. Damn, Alana. Not just the songs, we actually heard her talking. Yeah. At the end, there's some tape of her, like that card reading. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit. Like, they actually chose an actor who sounded a lot like the real Alana, too. And like the inflection, the sort of, the sort of vibrancy, like it, it wasn't canned, you know? All right, so Kevin, I don't want to do an inappropriate transition to the business section, right? For the first time. Yeah, Not so the let's, first time, let's, yeah. let's do a sensitive just doing the business section right now. What do we got going on in our Patreon right now? All right, that music means we're going to talk about uh, patreon.com slash partners in crime media. Remember, you can get episodes of Crime Runners on early and ad-free by uh, signing up there. We have all sorts of fantastic content, more than 400 episodes uh, behind that paywall. Things like the Crime Writers on After Show, where we hang out and talk a little bit either about maybe uh, things going on uh, in our world or extending the conversation about the podcasts and TV shows that we've been discussing. We also have Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast. Toby um, is uh, doing a, a book this month 
the podcast version should be out shortly. It's called Beneath the Ruthless Sun, and it's by uh, Gilbert King, who is, you know, we know the force behind Bone Valley. Toby, tell us about your panel. Uh, got a great panel. We've got Janet Varney. We've got Elon Green. And we have Nanita Cranford. Yay. Do you know if Janet was wearing her crime writers on leggings? Yes, she 100% was, Kevin. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's all she ever wears. It's all she ever wears. All the time. Yeah. Just going out for a walk around the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, That's great. Also, we have uh, Leave It to Bricker. In the latest Leave It to Bricker, Laura is talking about how she used goats to get rid of all of her poison ivy. Nope, but there's there's a surprise ending. There is a I'll surprise ending. I'll leave it to um, you to listen to Patreon to hear the surprise ending of what happens. Yeah, lastly, we have um, Married with Podcasts, which is Rebecca and I dispensing advice. One of the questions a, a listener has is what to do about the fact that their neighbor on the other side of their, their property, their neighbor got a dog with the same name as their dog, mm. only that dog is fucking crazy, and they keep yelling the dog's name, and it's driving their dog crazy. So I oh, it's a good discussion. love that question. Also, um, we have the latest episode of These Are Their Stories is out, the Law & Order podcast. We're doing a classic episode. They're always classic episodes. This is the SVU episode, which all these shocking turns. We find out that Cassidy uh, was accused of raping um, a sex worker while he was undercover. And then we find out that Amaro has a kid from an undercover assignment that he was on. And then most shocking of all, we see Olivia Benson bound out of Cassidy's bedroom because apparently they've been hooking up. Yes. Let's have a listen. It's not a real good time right now, guys. I got this taken care of. But you have company? Yeah, it's your sister. You should have told me she snores. I'll call you tomorrow. Hey, can you change? Hey guys. Lastly, we'll ask you to sign up for our Crime Writers on newsletter, crimewriterson.com. You get all sorts of great stuff like Crime Writers on behind the scenes. That's BTS for those of you who are too old to get the lingo. Hmm. CWO BTS. We've got more about our reviews, Cat of the Week, Tweet of the Week, and we have links to the Crime Writers on merch store. As we said, you can get things like the t shirt that says, I like a feud among subcultures. I learned that in Cat Detective School and a brand new item. Are you ready for this? Yes. It's a t-shirt that says, I often think about the Roman Empire. (laughs) (laughs) Now, just to let you know. Wait, isn't that cool Roman writing? Yep, yep. Times New Roman. It's got a little bust of Caesar. I'm getting this like immediately. Yeah, Uh, it's out there now. And uh, also, you should know that it only comes in men's clothing. Okay. Not available for women because women do not spend time thinking about the Roman Empire. You're going to get some pushback on that. We have some people in our Facebook group who very much disagree with that premise, Kevin. Well, they are unisex and a lot of them, so they can do that. But no, it's just you're a man. You're a man, you think about the Roman Empire. So gendered. You're so gendered. I mean, I I I did not create the phenomenon. I guess what we're saying is that men definitely do. Some women do, but men definitely do. Men definitely do. (laughs) If they come after me with, uh, you know... uh, Triton? Triton. (laughs) 
What do they have? Those little short swords that they would have. The gladiators come after me because they're all upset that we don't have women's sizes for that. The gold belt and the yeah. skirts. That we they used we to can wear. fix that. Yeah. Togas. Yeah. I, I still want a apron, please. I would like a crime writers on apron that I can wear at the holidays while I'm cooking. Well, the fuck, Laura? They don't make aprons. Well, I, I know. I but sent like, you, what the heck? I did man? order you guys some bespoke Your Podcast Sucks hats, which I will be sending to okay. you. Okay. And, um, you know. Maybe some of our listeners will be lucky enough to get one of those someday. Yeah. About the Roman Empire. Okay. Um, Kevin, before we wrap up the business section, I just want to say one more thing. Yeah. Follow these or their stories on TikTok. You will not regret it. It's very, very funny. The We're getting into the TikToks. Kevin's putting some very funny videos up on TikTok for these or their stories. All right, Kevin, before we end the business section, do we yeah. have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Andrea Miller and Melissa Cara. Bless you. Bless you, Andrea. Bless you, Melissa. I feel like those are names that are very familiar to me from our uh, Yeah, fandom. Melissa is a, um, works at the MSPCA, I think. I think she is a um, animal person. Look at you, Miss. She mm-hmm. talks to cats yeah. as well. All She's right. a longtime patron. So happy to recognize her. Yeah. She knows I'm not losing my mind. Yes. <laughs> Melissa, I hope you're okay, too. All right. Kevin, is that in the business section? Thus ends the business section. I'm going to fade that music out right now. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis, 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? more confident, capable surgeons, and even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So Toby, one thing that I found really interesting, and obviously, you know, I think this is just a phenomenon that that Alana and Simon had in common was that they were both very attracted to these very conservative uh, forms of Catholicism, right? Like, you know, he wanted to be a priest, she wanted to be a nun, but there are certainly less orthodox, you know, forms of religion that they could have decided to pursue. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I feel like things would have turned out differently if they had gone to like Laura's church, Mm. uh, a place that was (laughs) 
a little more accepting of diversity <laughs> or whatever. Our church is pretty accepting, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't have to masturbate by rubbing your armpit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst. I just like no, ew, armpit. Carry on, Toby. Yeah. Whatever you're into, I guess. Um there's a yeah. there's a lid for every pot. Yeah. So, you know, these very conservative or fundamentalist branches of religions, you know, are sort of trying to enforce a pretty strict orthodoxy among their members and and some of the values to which they're held go back hundreds and hundreds of years, right? And so it, it just seemed like it was the worst possible situation for them. And the sort of nexus in between this very conservative form of Catholicism and then uh, conversion therapy. And, you know, he, Simon talks sort of about the quote unquote theoretical framework behind it. It's sort of this very malicious, <laughs> malign combination of sort of religious rhetoric and sort of pseudo scientific or pseudo medical uh, rhetoric where they're talking you know, the same sex attraction syndrome. Mm. So instead of it being like something that's part of you, it's like this thing. It's like a disease or like a, a, a behavior, you know, a, a yeah. syndrome that you can be cured of. Right. And so it, it sort of makes it separate from what you are. And then they, you know, they have this sort of pseudo psychiatric thing about same sex attraction uh, has to do with, having a bad relationship with the same sex parents and that the way you kind of heal is by repairing that relationship with the parent. Then suddenly you won't want to, you won't have sexual desire for people of your own gender. It seems like a misuse of both religion and science in, in sort of enforcing this heterosexual orthodoxy or whatever. Anyway, I, the, the whole thing is just, Again, and I feel like we we talk about this like every other week now, but it's like you're putting LGBTQ youth in these situations where instead of being supported, they're they're vilified. Mm-hmm. And and in this case, what makes it even more sort of alarming is that they weren't like coerced into this, right? This is a choice that they made because they thought that this was going to lead them on the right path. And they, right. they'd already kind of internalized that criticism before they started to do anything about it. So anyway, it's a long way of saying it. it's, it's a, it's a really bad situation for, for people who are LGBTQ to be in that situation. And then at the same time, also being completely devout and wanting to do anything they can to gain God's approval and their sexual desires are sort of, it's sort of drilled into them that that is preventing them from getting God's approval. So, Kevin, this is just like regular Catholicism, right? Because this didn't strike well, me as any like, this wasn't like um, Opus Dei, right? This is just like a regular Catholic church. Father Dave is a weirdo. Father Peter, the other priest, I think his name is Father Peter, right? Yeah. Was like more like the Kumbaya, but also not great priest. But it struck me as sort of a regular Catholic church. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. There's a lot as a, you know, a non-practicing Catholic, there's a lot here that I recognize about the church, but also other aspects, a little more evangelical. And this just might be sort of, because this is where Alana is coming from. Yeah. So we hear her experience, which is a little more devout than 
uh, your average Catholic. Yeah. I, I mean, which Simon goes into. Yeah, I have. So my, my follow up, and this isn't a question because I, yeah. I know the answer, but this is the thing that always strikes me that's so fucked up to me is that. So Simon and the same, I'm sure the same thing happens to Alana, but Simon talks about going to his priest and saying that he wants to be a priest, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then saying, you know, but I have this problem is that I have same sex attraction. And it's like, you're fucking celibate when you're a priest, right? So that yeah. shouldn't, I mean, they should just be so excited that a young person wants to be a priest. They should, yes. And being the fact that you're celibate, like who you're attracted to should not fucking matter. Yeah, yeah. Because you're I mean, not you're not even allowed to masturbate when you're a priest, right? And you know that they do. Of course, and well, it's, yeah. And right, and it's not about I mean being celibate. It's it's still there's a the, the purity, uh, f- f- yeah, the but there's sin, a, yeah. a false um uh, yes. equivalency of being but gay that, with being a pedophile. Me, I mean what, just it's it, all That's what makes me crazy about. It. They shouldn't care. The pastoral counseling yes. issue is a problem. However, I do want to say something about the way they discuss religion, the way they handle religion in yes. general here in this podcast is they don't make the people seem foolish or evil for having faith or wanting to belong to a church or the church with a capital C. By the way, Simon, after all this, he still is devout. He has questions. He understands things. But he's, it sounds like he's still going to go to church and he's still looking for his relationship you know, through Christ. And he doesn't make fun they never make fun of alana for like wanting to become a nun i mean these may not be our choices but they don't make these people seem dumb or misguided for having the faith in their lives i think about all the times i've second-guessed myself my own thoughts and feelings how impossibly razor thin and unknown the path ahead was for me how damned i felt no matter what i did how much i needed a miracle. There is certainly the issues of what the church did and how that affected them. Toby's right in this sense that we have a, an interesting character here who seeks conversion therapy on their own. You know, you could say, were they coerced? No, they weren't thrown into a van in the middle of the night and sent to a camp like we sometimes hear these stories. But were they not persuaded because of the things that they heard? The 2,000-year-old dogma about this, were they not persuaded by the things that they heard from their peers and from the people that they trusted who happened to be religious people? Um, That is a a kind of coercion. But because I think it's important because Simon respects the religion and people's faith that his characters in the podcast are respected. And I think that as listeners, we should respect that. And I admire the way that 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 was put together. Sometimes you take a cheap shot at people who are religious or faithful or devout. And in this case, they didn't do it, even though, you know, the um, bad parts of organized religion are completely on display. Father Dave. Well, what really struck me about it, Alana, as a teenager, wanted to do the service work that like she was called. She was like helping, Mm -hmm. you know, on house people like she wanted to like help people. The things that we hear that you're supposed to do or like the overseas too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The the thing, the things that you hear you're supposed to want to do when you are really like a good person and you're like, quote, Christ like, like she really wanted to be a and was a good freaking person. And like, you know, we're taking organized religion at its at its word. That is what they're all about, right? So why wouldn't she believe that that's where she would find her people and and her things? And it it is, I I agree with Toby that 
I think that her her life would have been a lot happier if she had chosen a different organized religion to gravitate toward, probably. Um, but obviously we ended up where we ended up. But I, I agree with you, Kevin. I think that they were they showed a lot of dignity uh, here. And that I think that was really, really well done. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix works on both. Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis 300 milligram dose and adults with active psoriatic arthritis 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or one Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out the podcast? Dear Alana, what do you think, Laura Bricker? Thumbs up or thumbs down for this podcast? Yeah, I'm going thumbs up with this podcast. I think that this was a really compelling, compassionate, and very thoughtful look at conversion therapy from perspective of people that have been affected by it. And Simon, the host, is delivering this heartbreaking story, but his narration style is is very calm and soothing as he's talking about these very sad things that have happened in this case. The end, which we didn't get into, I thought was a really amazing full circle moment where he reconnects with somebody that he knew in his youth now that he has a different perspective on everything. And we hear directly from Alana in this podcast, you know, through her diaries, her journals, what she went through. So I think that for anybody that isn't familiar, and I will say I I really wasn't that familiar with all of the nuances as, you know, I haven't personally gone through this. So I think this was really educational and I think it's really important listening and, um, was very well done. So thumbs up. Toby Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Dear Alana? Yeah, I mean, I I think there are probably some people who this will be their favorite podcast ever would be my guess. Uh, for me, it's it's a really difficult subject and you access a lot of it through the diary of a, of a young woman who took her own life. And, and so you're getting her sort of journey with being deeply religious and also being gay and trying to navigate that. And that that's really what this podcast is about. So, you know, I, I think it's very sensitively done. Uh, the host who's got a very close 
sort of connection to the themes of this story. It does a great job. As I feel like I say, like every other podcast review, like it goes on a little bit long for me. Like I didn't think it was super tight. I think a lot of people won't care or will find the sort of pacing and depth to be a bonus. Uh, it wasn't necessarily for me. You know, it, it's a tough listen in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, for some people, it will be tougher than it was for me. Uh, all that being said, it's unique. Uh, I think it's the, the topic is important. I think, it's, you know, it's, it's just it's just very, very well done. So I give it a I give it a thumbs up with the understanding that I th- I would imagine that there'll be a fair number of people who like it more than I did, but I still liked it quite a bit. Kevin Flynn. Mark this date, September 21st, 2023. I can say I have finally given a thumbs up to something from Tenderfoot TV. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, this was really good. It's, I, I find it strikingly unique, you know, real self-reflection kind of, we don't really get these kinds of podcasts uh, very often these days. So it's good. I will say as far as a criticism, I think Toby mentioned this uh, in our Slack channel here that it just seems to be the criticism week to week just seems to be these are just too long to really sustain, you know, too many episodes to sustain what the actual story is. I think there were a lot of sort of I'll call them false endings, um, places where this could have really wrapped up in the last episode kind of like, you know, Lord of the Rings where they keep like, it should be over now, it should be over now. I think, you know, there was a protracted discussion with Simon's father and then with a cousin. And then he has a protracted discussion with Alana's mother and then the sister. And then like, this could have like, well, you know, could have, could have landed on a stronger uh, note here, but that's my one criticism. I'll say that overall it was very thoughtful and um, yeah, I think a lot of people will will really connect with um, the story here. Thumbs up. Yeah, I'm giving it a thumbs up too. And I'm giving it a very strong thumbs up. Yeah. People don't realize Tenderfoot is a tiny company, right? Mm-hmm. And Payne and Donald make decisions about what podcasts to partner with and, and what stories to do. And they chose to do this. Yeah, one. credit for their vision on this. Absolutely. And, yep. and and I know this story, like, you know, somebody pitched it to them and they supported it and they put their money behind it and they chose to do it. And I think that it's fucking rad that they but they put their backing behind this story, which is so different from anything else that they have ever done, and so mesmerizing and so lugubrious and slow and important and not sensational. And I just think it is great yeah and they did influence they did have their fingerprints on it not to yeah. say they just well, said tra- thanks when no, moving no, no, along no. Yeah, well, yeah, tracy they- tracy works at tenderfoot was the over uh, the producer with all the oversight you know we met we met her at podcast movement i mean I, mean, I knew her before she used to work at wgbh and um you know they they have they had their hands on this podcast and it's very very freaking good you know i um i have never heard a podcast that's this slow where i didn't mind as much as i didn't mind i will tell people if they think it's really slow You can listen to this on one and a quarter speed and it still sounds really good. (laughs) It just Mm -hmm. just does. I had, I had to do that with one episode because I needed to get to say, I wanted to get to seven and eight, like really badly to make make sure we did it on time. So I listened to seven and eight at like regular speed, but I think I I had to listen to five and six at one and a quarter. I'm like, oh, this still sounds okay. Episode seven of this podcast, I think is just remarkably good, like remarkably good. Um, There are just moments in this that are just lovely. And one thing that we didn't talk about, and this isn't really a spoiler alert, but I just want to say it. There is a a theme throughout the podcast around sainthood. 
that just keeps kind of coming up over and over and over again that I just, I can't stop thinking about because in many, many ways, you know, you just hear sort of Alana's journey and you hear Simon's journey. And in my head, I'm like, well, damn, if these people aren't saints among us, then like, who is, right? Then who is? Like, who is, if not a girl like Alana, who at like 15 or whatever, wanted to spend all of her time helping homeless people, right? And so, you know, there is this whole theme, but they there are so many themes in this that they don't hammer over your head. It's not like over and over and over again. And as I'm said, as I said, it's like you're learning a lot as you go. And the story is really unraveling like a beautiful long golden thread. And um, I don't know, there's a lot that could have gone horribly, horribly wrong in the telling of this story. And in any other podcast, I would have hated a lot of the things they did, but I really, really loved them in this podcast. So yeah, I'm giving a big thumbs up for Dear Alana. Uh, we met Simon at Podcast Movement and my only wish is that I'd listen to this we show. We did? We did. Oh. We met him at the uh, Patreon Mixer at that little bar mm-hmm. and uh, and we met his producer. We met them a couple of times. And my dearest wish is that I had listened to this podcast before we met them so that I could have asked them about a million questions about it. So yeah, big thumbs up for me, for dear Alana. And uh, congratulations to everyone over at Tenderfoot for supporting it. All right, that's going to do. But before we go, Lara Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? This comes to us from Nicole Farrell. And it is a dog, Rebecca. Oh, Just for you. It's my favorite kind of animal. I know it is. And I try to keep you happy, Rebecca. So here we go. Nicole doesn't post often, is constantly lurking in our podcast group. Um, (laughs) It's the first place Nicole goes when she logs in to her Facebook. So Jezebel is her faithful little companion of 16 and a half years. Jezebel has listened to every Crime Writers On episode, sometimes twice. Um, She has helped foster over 30 abandoned dogs until they found their forever home. She only stopped when she needed spinal surgery. This week, she oh, this is sad. She had a feeding tube inserted due to developing what they think was a severe case of irritable bowel disease. She's home, and she missed the rerun of Abducted in Plain Sight because of her little medical mishap. Um, We're hoping they can get stabilized. She seems to be doing well. So there's just a, a cute, very cute little dog. And the picture is adorable, and there is, like, a really funny picture where the dog's like, ah! And that was what drew me in. But then I really liked the story of this little dog that's fostering other dogs. So um, Jezebel, I hope you're feeling better. That's awesome. Laura Bricker, thank you for choosing that dog. And I cannot believe, uh, really listened to every episode almost twice, even the reruns. That's incredible. I love you so much. All right, Laura Bricker, folks want to reach out to you and pitch their dogs to be cat of the week. How can they find you online? They can find me at Lara Bricker on Twitter. And of course, you can always email us at crimewriterson at gmail.com. We get a lot of our dogs and cats to be cat of the week that way. Toby Ball, if folks want to reach out to you online, how can they find you? Uh, at Toby Ball on H. Kevin Flynn, what about you? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me everywhere at Reb Lavoy, even threads where I don't post anything at all. You can also follow the show at Crime Writers On Everywhere. And I encourage you to join our incredible Facebook group. Just go to Facebook, look for our show. There's a post there to hit join the group. We will let you in if you literally know any one of the four of our first names. That's literally the only criteria to get into our group. That and not being a jerk. Get episodes early and ad-free by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll also get all the other stuff we have back there. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the wonderful Livy Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. 
This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where Kevin also tries to get me going by rubbing my armpit. Oh my God. It's not the rubbing that does it. <laughs> all the writers do. Thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. Good show, everybody. Good show. Go Let's go. Team. Go team. All right. Go team. On three. Crown Runners on. One, two, three. Crown Runners on. <laughs> Partners in Crime, Crime Media. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.